Hey. Well, good morning, everybody, again. Um, I'm going to be preaching this morning from Psalm 1, which is uh, the passage that Louise just read for us. So if you've got Psalm 1, uh, why don't you open that? The Psalms are in the middle of your Bible. So if you uh, crack open your Bible right in the middle, you'll probably come to the book of Psalms and then probably turn to the left and we'll get to Psalm chapter 1. And uh, we're in this series at the moment here at Trinity called The Ancient Paths. And we're looking at what does it mean to follow Jesus' way. And uh, one of the images that the scriptures use for this is the ancient paths in uh, Jeremiah. Um, the prophet says to God's people, follow, choose, find the ancient paths and walk in them. And we talked about what this word ancient means, this word olam, something eternal, something that's beyond time, something that's beyond sort of what's relevant or popular. It's a way of walking, following God, which sort of surpasses time and context that we can find God in. And um, this morning I, I am talking about the Psalms. So as Trinity, we decided, well, what does it look like for us to uh, follow the ancient path? Well, there's three things we can do. And we, put them, we made it so easy that we put them on a business card like this. And the three things were in the morning we say a psalm together. Um, in the uh, afternoon at 12 o'clock, our alarms go off and we say the Lord's Prayer. And then in the evening, we say a short prayer of uh, sort of reflection on our day called the Examine. That's for us what it looks like to follow the, begin to understand what it means to follow the ancient path, to find this ancient path and to walk in it. And um, Josie last week gave an amazing, a brilliant, brilliant talk on the Lord's Prayer. If you haven't heard that sermon, I'd encourage you to go back and listen online um, to that sermon. She talked about what does it mean to say the Lord's Prayer, to follow Jesus by saying his prayer that he taught his disciples. And this morning, I'm going to talk about the Psalms. And really, what I'm do all I want to do this morning is introduce the book of Psalms. Um, it's a book that's new to many of us. Reading, praying the Psalms is a new concept to many of us. So I just want to talk a little bit about, well, well what is the book of Psalms and, and how do we read it and what might it do for us? And then in weeks to come, uh, Johnny's going to talk a little bit more deeply about some specific Psalms. So if that's okay with you, I'm going to crack on with the book of Psalms. We good? Okay, let's go for it. So, um, the book of Psalms then, um, there are 150 songs, poems, in the middle of the Bible called the book of Psalms. Not doctrines, not ideas, not concepts, poems and songs, prayers to God, 150 of them. The earliest Christians prayed these Psalms, they knew them as good Jews, the first followers of Jesus knew, that they knew these songs. If you like, someone I heard this week described it the Psalms as like the soundtrack to God's people's lives, the soundtrack to their lives, happiness, sadness, joy, um, contentment, worship. The Psalms were kind of key to everything and they would have said these Psalms daily, uh, weekly, monthly, the, habitually, rhythmically said these poems, these songs. They would have known them off by heart. And so when Peter, after Jesus has died and risen from the dead, Peter stands up, and we looked at this a few weeks ago, and talks to the church, uh, not to the church, to the people who had gathered around the church that day to explain what had happened. And he uses a psalm to explain it because it was just like in his DNA, right? He knew those words and they knew those words. He explained it that way. The Psalms is the most quoted book from the Old Testament in the New Testament, right? So the New Testament writers, they know the Psalms, they use the Psalms, they think that the Psalms are all about Jesus, that they point to Jesus. Jesus himself, as we'll get to in a bit, when he's on the cross and he's in his final moments of life, before he's about to breathe his last, 
He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's a line directly out of the Psalms. When Jesus wants to pray, he prays using the Psalms. There's every chance that Jesus knew these Psalms off by heart, that he knew every single Psalm off by heart, all 150. And when the moment came, he prayed just very naturally what he had been taught as a boy. As a good Jewish boy, taught the Psalms. And so the early Christians used them when people were setting up monasteries to try and live a religious life. The Psalms were integral to what it was. Benedict, when he set up his uh, monasteries, pray seven or some people think eight times a day. You would have prayed the Psalms at each one of those times of the day. And then through the week, you would have prayed all 150. And then you'd go back again and pray the next 150. St. Columba, when he goes to Iona, legend has it that he would get up early in the morning, even before seven o'clock. And he would, uh, on a Thursday, every single morning of the week, he would get up and he wouldn't come somewhere where it's kind of, a little bit warm he would go to the beach on Iona and he would some people say wade up to his waist in the water and would recite off by heart all 150 psalms until he was done all 150 psalms and the idea was that if we could pray these psalms if we could use these psalms then they would have a particularly special way of us being able to encounter God to be able to speak to God to worship him These psalms have been integral to what it means to follow Jesus, to be part of the Christian church for 2,000 years. Luther, Martin Luther, a reformer, called them a mini Bible. He said, if I I could just have have the psalms, it's like the whole of scripture is contained in these poems, in these songs. And they're offered back to God. And, And Luther said, you know, once you've known the psalms and once you've prayed the psalms, he said they're like fire. And he said, no other prayer that you pray, whether it's a prayer you make up yourself or you read from someone else, he said, no prayer comes close to these psalms. Once you've tasted the fire, he says, everything else just seems like cold and dry in comparison. So my prayer this morning as we talk about the psalms and what the psalms are is, this is my prayer simply that you would want to get into the psalms. You would want to begin to, uh, or not begin for some of you, some of you carry on this journey, but for some of you it might be a beginning to read these psalms, get to know what they're about and to begin to live them. And what I want to say about the psalms is more than other pieces of scripture where we analyze it from a distance and we kind of assess it and try and work out what God is saying to us. What the psalms are is for us to live within. They're not there to be studied, they're there to be prayed. Right? It's not something that we look at, it's something that we do. Athanasius the saint said that The rest of scripture is God speaking to us. But he said the Psalms, and we'll come back to this, the Psalms are God praying with us. I'll say that again. The rest of scripture is God speaking to us, but the Psalms are God himself praying with us. So, when we talk about ancient paths, this is about as ancient as it gets, folks. The Psalms, as ancient as it gets. This is what it means to follow the ancient path, partly, is to pray these Psalms rhythmically, habitually, day by day, week by week, begin to know them, begin to allow them to shape our language. Let's dive into Psalm 1, Psalm 1. So Psalm 1, I wanted to start here because there's so much I could say about the Psalms and this was a way of grounding it. So I'm going to do Psalm 1 and we'll do that for about 10 minutes and then we'll do Psalm 2 and then Psalm 3 for another 10 and then I've got it in my mind that we'll be done by Monday, tomorrow, 12.30. So bed in folks, lock the doors. Here we go. Psalm 1. 
Psalm 1, I wanted to start here because most scholars agree that Psalm 1 is like an introduction to the book of the Psalms. The reason it was written, the reason it's here, was a kind of like gateway into the book. Um, It explains what the book is all about. Um, Miles, can I get that Psalm 1 up on the screen just for people who who haven't got it? That would be really good. That would be great. Um, So, yeah, like I say, it's a a gateway, a way in for uh, people to... Uh, to understand what the Psalms are. And what's, in, what's significant for me when I read this Psalm, a few weeks ago I talked about Jesus on the mountain talking to his disciples and saying that there are two ways to live. There's two paths and there's a tree. There's two paths and there's a tree. One path is the narrow path and it's difficult to get on and it's difficult to stay on, but it leads to life. And the other path is easy to get on and easy to stay on, but it leads to destruction. And there's also a tree and your life, he says, your calling is to become a tree strong, beautiful, stable, well-grounded, well-rooted, capable of withstanding anything that, that is thrown at it. And it produces beautiful fruit, fruit of joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. You can see your life as something significant, vital, beautiful about it. You are you, distinctly you, in all of the ways that God has called you to be you. And you shine like stars, you shine like a star. People are attracted to you, and through your life, they might see God. That's our calling. That's what Jesus invites us into, to be on the narrow path, the difficult path that leads to life, wholeness, joy, and to be this strong tree. And both images are in this psalm, if you notice. So first of all, we have the tree. Those who delight in the Lord, the Lord, we meditate on this Lord day and night. That person is like a tree, planted by streams of water. And then if we go on at the end of that psalm in verse 6, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. We have a tree, and we have two ways. A tree um, that withstands anything and produces good fruit. And two parts, the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. And essentially what the, the introduction to the book of Psalms is saying, Psalm 1 is saying, is, if we get to know this book, if we make this book our bed and lie in it, if we make this book in some way vital to our faith experience, significant to our faith experience. It will enable us to become that tree. It will enable us to get on and stay on the path. That's what it is to follow God, is what this book is saying. And unlike the path of the wicked, which leads to destruction, it's saying the path of the righteous. This isn't about being a good person or a bad person. This isn't about building up a list of good things versus building up a list of bad things. This is about where is our perspective, where are our roots. If in some way we allow this book to help us put our roots into God, we will be like that strong tree. That's what the, the that's what Psalm One is saying. The Book of Psalms is all about. Miles, can I go to that last slide? So I just want to say three things about how the Book of Psalms does that. How the Book of Psalms enables us to be that tree, and how the Book of Psalms enables us to get on and stay on that. So first of all, the Psalms teach us to pray. Secondly, the Psalms teach us to pray with everything, with it all. And thirdly, finally, the Psalms teach us to pray with it all to Him. So first of all, the Psalms teach us how to pray. And there's a great story about um, Jonah in the Bible, Jonah's prophet. God says to Jonah, Jonah, I want you to go to a faraway land and, and preach to them. Jonah's like, that's the last thing on earth I want to do. So he gets on a boat and he flees and he runs away. And he's on the boat. 
down, sinks down through the sea, the dark, swirling sea. And as he falls to the, before he hits the bottom, he's eaten by a whale, by a big fish. And he's in the belly of the fish. I mean, I, you couldn't imagine like a lower point in your existence. You might be Instagram stories. Jonah's at this point, and um, he, he says a prayer. But what's very interesting about that prayer is that it's taken word for word from the Psalms. It's kind of like he, he it's bits from here, bits from there, it's like a mashup of the best bits of the Psalms. This story is supposed to be a significant bit, and then I use the word mashup. <laughs> but he takes the best bits, he takes the bits from the Psalms and he puts together this incredibly eloquent, beautiful prayer. It's like he's got raw emotion. But the way that he expresses it is through the Psalms. The Psalms mm. kind of just come out, flow out of him naturally. The teenage Mary, when she's told by an angel that she's going to give birth to a baby boy from nowhere, right, that culture, sings this song. And the song is got pieces of the Psalms all the way through it. It's like its own song. Mary, this young girl, knew the Psalms, and it just kind of came out of her in the moment. When I talked about Jesus on the cross, it just came out of him in that moment, all the way through the New Testament, when they're looking for something to say, something to pray, the Psalms just kind of flow out of them. So what I want to say about the Psalms is, as we learn them, they kind of infuse into us, and so that when we want to pray, out of those moments of raw emotion, of desperation, maybe, potentially, or of great hope, of great joy, we're just looking for something to say, the Psalms might come out of us. That's why Columbus said them every day. Because he felt that if he could memorize these psalms or even bits of these psalms or just get to know them, not study them but pray them, then maybe in those moments of anguish, in those moments where he just was longing for something to say to God, the psalms might just come out of him, they might give us something to say. Once one, um, one of the church fathers Ambrose called the psalms the gymnasium, the gymnasium of prayer. If we want to learn how to pray, then we use the psalms. And so what the psalms are, is like a gift, a gift of God to us, to pray. If we want to know what to pray, God has given us these beautiful gifts, these beautiful words uh, in, that will help us to pray. They teach us to pray. And there's one little moment in this psalm, in Psalm 1, that I love. Um, verse 1, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. And so we have this little movement, I don't know if you noticed that movement, from walking, to standing, to sitting, we go chair here. And uh, it's kind of, it's talking about a progression towards a destructive way of life, or an unhealthy way of life, or an addictive way of life. We kind of, um, we start by walking, and we're not that into it at that point. Right, we're just kind of like, maybe just this call our attention. And then when we're standing in it, we're positioning ourselves a little bit more. Before we know it, we are sat within that situation, that position, that way of life. And it's very, very difficult to get back out of it. We, we kind of know this to be true, right? I used to play football. That's what I used to do. I, was, I used to play a bit of football. But now I just watch football, right? And now I am at home. And I play FIFA every day and I play pizza. Right. I play, now I sit, right? Our behaviour's kind of changing. I talked about this two weeks ago, I compared 
made into like a piece of wood. And you're chiseling out a piece of wood. And at first you're just making scuffs and little marks on it. And the more and more and more and more you do it, you get deeper and deeper and deeper until before you know it, there's a groove in the piece of wood. And if you think about the life like that, your habits, the things you do repeatedly, are just kind of like um, little scuffs at first, but the more and more and more you do them, they become part of who you are. Before you know it, you're in a groove and you can only go in that one direction. All right, he um, is an excellent father and an excellent husband, but um, he just started to spend a little bit too much time at work. And then he started to sleep at work. And then, right, and that person, she's not, you know, not a gossip at all, but got an iPhone, downloaded Instagram, spends a lot of time on that, and spends all of the time on that. And then, right, there's these patterns of behaviour that move from walking to standing to sitting. And what the book of Psalms is, trying, is teaching us is a way, A, out of those habits, and secondly, a way into good habits, into good grooves that are leading us towards God. Because the aim of the book of Psalms says is to desire God. Right? That's the aim. That's what the book is all about. That's, that's the goal of life. We talked about this a few weeks ago. We all desire something, we're all working towards one thing. working towards something, right? We've all got a groove that we're existing in, and what the Book of Psalms is trying to get us to see is that our attention, our desire, our delight needs to be on God, and the words that are used here in the psalm are the Lord of the Lord, but really it's God himself. That's what he's saying. Our delight needs to be on God himself. So how is it that we might move to a place of walking with God, with Jesus, to standing with Jesus, to sitting with Jesus? Right, but it's just our identity, it's who we are. It just kind of seeps out of us. And what the book of Psalms is trying to do is that encourage us on that process of walking, we begin to walk, we begin to read them, get to know them, standing with him, we begin to see God in them, they become part of our identity, and then finally we sit. Well, that's what the Psalms are trying to do, walk, stand, sit. They teach us to pray. Can I go to the next slide? Here's another element to how the Psalms teach us to pray. This is Eugene Peterson. He says this. The well of prayer, he says it deep, within us, we all desire to pray. Lots of things we want to pray for our family, our friends, ourselves, the, the situation in the world right now. Why then are our lives so frequently prayerless, he says, or why are our prayers kind of shallow and we, we don't pray enough? He says the answer must be that the well is deep. There's so much in us that wants to pray, but we have nothing to get it out with. Right? We have nothing to express it with. And you can only say, God, I just hope that so many times, right? You can only use that language so many times before it starts to grow to life soon. And you need something else. The well is deep, but we have nothing to draw the water with. We have too much going on, he says, that our buckets are like sieves. Right? We're trying to grab what's within. The hope, the frustration, the pain, the desperation, but we just can't. Because there's so much else going on in our lives that it all falls through. We need a bucket, he says, that we can put down into the well of God's presence and draw life. The Psalms are such a thing. So they teach us to pray because they're like, they kind of encapsulate our Psalms. As we pray them, they enable us to grab what's within us. While all of that stuff within us, when there's joy, frustration, anxiety, pain, desperation, depression, to grab it all and give words to it. Like give flesh to it. That's what the Psalms do, Peterson says. And he says that the Psalms need 
we're standing here worshipping, we kind of got, we find ourselves with these words that we want to say. But I want to say to God that I need him. Right? As the deer pants for the water, so my soul thirsts after you. Right? The Psalms give us those words to say. They grab something in us and they offer it to God. God, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to worship you, but I just feel a bit sad. Day and night I cry to God. My sofa, it says, is drenched in my tears. The songs grab something in them and they offer it up to God. That's what the songs are for. Okay, Mark's going to go to the next slide. Okay, secondly, the Psalms teach us to pray with it all. There is a tendency, isn't there? There is a tendency to. Um, See church and see faith and see being a Christian as about um, getting everything lined up and getting things sorted, about kind of fixing ourselves up and putting on kind of like a veneer so that when we come through those doors, um, we can um, be in that place, be ready. Um, we talk to people, how was your week? Yeah, great. Yeah, I think it's good. It's really fun. And uh, we feel sometimes that that's what it is to be a Christian, to get to that point. And what the Psalms want to remind us again and again and again, and it's in that word, that Psalm 1, seasons, they want to remind us time and time again is that God is not interested in that veneer. He's interested in our hearts. He doesn't want our masks. He doesn't want our fictions. He doesn't want the superficiality. What he wants is our hearts. He wants all of us. And he wants it all. Not just the happy bits, not just the joyful bits, not just the bits we deem are praiseworthy, not just the bits we think and want to see. He wants it all, everything. He made you and he knows you. He knows your struggles, he knows your fears, and he wants it all. He is the God of it all. And the Christian story is about the God, the creator of all, step down into earth and become a baby, or in a stable. One writer recently. All night I am worn out. 
then there's this refrain that kind of goes through quite a few of the songs again and again. How long, O Lord? How long? Just this like, I'm done. I am done. How long? Even the, the energy it's taking to say that is too much for me. How long, O Lord? Psalm 51, the confession. A psalm of somebody who's a broken and committed a deep sin that's hurt me. These are, um, these are songs, I, I wrote down here, these are songs of the hospital. I did songs and songs of the hospital. You go to a hospital, you might go to one ward, you might go on to a maternity ward where everything's going well. Right, babies are being born, mums and dads are happy, new life, right, the, the real death of joy. There are songs for that. You might go to a different ward, you might go to a, a, a children, a particular children's ward. And the pain, the frustration, the confusion, the agony is unbearable. These are songs for these are songs for the hospital. That's what the songs are. The fullness of life. And as we get to know these songs, might we see that God is interested in every single bit of it? The songs teach us to pray with it all. And you know, the, for some of us, this is confusing and difficult to understand how those two things can be held together. Some of us might be in a place right now where we're thinking that I don't understand how, you know, I'm, I'm called to praise God, but yet there's these psalms of brokenness and despair, I'm not sure how they fit together, and, and that's beyond my um, time. What I do want to say is that after this talk today, after this sermon, I'm going to sit over in this corner, have a few chairs around, and I'm going to be there for about 20, 25 minutes, and we're going to just do a little Q&A about the psalms. If you've got any questions about the psalms, some of you I know are confused about the Psalms, you've said that to me. Some of you are confused about the violence which is in some of the Psalms, even this one today, about the, the language of the wicked and the righteous. Some of you are confused about that. I would love, 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 I'm just going to be an ongoing discussion, but I want to sit with you and have that conversation with you. So I'm going to do that after the service. But I know that some of you are particularly thinking, how can you hold those two things together and praise the men for joy and despair? Johnny is going to talk a little bit more about that in the coming weeks, but. It seems to me that one of the ways that the, the Psalms hold that together is to say, you know, God is good, and God is good all the time. And yet, when we look at the reality of the world, it doesn't match up to what we know of God. And so those Psalms of lament are essentially Psalms of saying, God, this is not in line with what I know about you. This is not in line with what I know about who you are. And so there's this deep frustration in me. I know that you are good, and I, I pray that you are good, because Psalm 84 says that. And yet, God, there's something else in me. When I see the reality of the world, that doesn't match up to that, and I'm crying out. So Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. Happy are you mourn, because you get it. You get that the world is not supposed to be the way that it is. Right? You get that the world is broken, that this isn't okay. You get that this is not how it will always be. You've tasted something of the kingdom. You've tasted something of God's future, and therefore the current reality isn't matching up to it. And so you're crying out in pain. It might be a particular loss for you, memory and experience, I don't know what it is. But you've seen the future, you've seen God's future, you've seen Jesus rise from the dead, and the two things aren't matching up together, so you're crying out to pain, God, 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 how long, how long? And that's what the meant is through these psalms.
Third and finally, so we said Psalms teach us to pray. Secondly, Psalms teach us to pray with all. And thirdly, Psalms teach us to pray with all to Him. It occurred to me as I was writing this sermon. sermon. Why, why do we have the Psalms? Why not just, like, if we're looking for Psalms about happiness, or Psalms about sadness, or Psalms that lament, or uh, whatever, we can find those anywhere. Like, this beautiful poetry written, or this beautiful stories written, this beautiful films written. Find that stuff anywhere. Why? Why? Do you, what makes the Psalms different? The Psalms. And what I was struck by when I was thinking about this was, and this Psalm one again, the 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 strong tree, the tree that withstands evil, is the tree whose roots are in God. The the reason these Psalms are different is that they take all of that. They take the all, the hospitality, the, the experiences. And they don't just sit within it. They bring it in some way to God. That's what makes these songs. And that's what the songs are teaching us. Is to take all of that, all of our emotion, all of our experiences, and to bring it to Him. To have permission to take all that and bring it to Him. And I, I feel that maybe one of the things is that God is saying to us, you know, if you, if you come here this morning, you just feel like I can't participate. I don't know what it is to, to worship God from where I am at the moment. I don't know what it is to praise Him. Maybe what God is saying is the learning for you as you read these psalms is learn somehow, it's almost going to look like in your life, the psalm might not taking all of that wholeness, the brokenness, the pain, the joy, all of it, and bring it to Him. That's what He wants to do. To delight in Him even when we don't understand. To take all of that delight in Him. The, um, the psalms in the Jewish language. Take it all and give it to him. Amen? Amen. Amen.